0: Who is the most underrated actor of all time? It's Dolph Lundgren. Correct. Why? Well, because of his uh, spiky hair and his ice cold demeanor and his big muscles. Absolutely.
1: I must break you. (laughs) The guilty will be punished. My name is Sergeant. Andrew Scott. Come on, guys, don't do this. If I don't get breakfast, I get real grumpy. I don't think you like me grumpy.
0: And you go in pieces, asshole. Let's kick some ass. Hello, and welcome back to I Must Break, this podcast podcast. The fan podcast looking at the cinematic career of action legend, Dolph Lundgren. Today, we're going back into the realm of television and looking at the syndicated TV disaster, SAFE, which is cleverly spelled with a three instead of an E. More about that later. Uh, In this 20-episode dramatic series, Dolph joins the ranks of David Hasselhoff and plays John Erickson, the newly appointed leader of SAFE. A division of the Malibu Fire Department, which handles rescues on land and sea. Yes, Dolph gets to play a lifeguard and firefighter who saves the day alongside a bunch of beautiful young people. And it's not nearly as cool as it sounds. After a rescue, some call me hero. I'm no hero. It's what I do. Are you Safe. Safe. An all-new series coming this fall. I'm your host Sean Malloy, and returning to the show to help me discuss this one uh, is my buddy Richard Hawes, co-host of the DTV Digest. Richard, how's it going, man?
1: I'm uh, great. It's a uh, it's fantastic to be back, and what an epic we've got to discuss here.
0: You know, can can I just say uh, I was not looking forward to covering this this show. I was shamelessly, I think I was going to, you know, kind of bypass it, but you know, I've I've discussed some of the other. Um, Scars, I would say, in the uh, in the work of uh, or excuse me, on the CV of Mr. Lundgren, that you know we we have to do this one, and it's it's interesting because I was actually kind of looking forward to discussing it in a way because okay, no, this this final product is not good, but um, for you to be just so gracious and accepting and and almost excited. To discuss this one with me i mean i i i kind of expedited the conversation and i really wanted to to chat with you because yeah man you first of all can i just say your dedication you cranked through all 20 of these episodes no complaints whatsoever so thank you
1: and i did it twice
0: you did it twice (laughs) (laughs) which which i gotta be honest man i because there's there's a good chunk of this uh of this series that uh that Dolph was not in, so those episodes I kind of quickly just uh, blipped through. But yeah, your your dedication uh, for this I appreciate to
1: no end. So thank you. That's no worries. I might be able to I might be able to fill in some of the gaps if we if we come across them. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's certainly. I mean, look at what I mean. What we're basically talking about here is the equivalent of about thirteen movies uh, all tied together. So it, it's. Unfortunately, the final product is not not as rewarding as as thirteen individual Dolph Lundgren movies. Even even I probably say it's probably not as probably not as rewarding as even thirteen of the lower tier Dolph movies. Uh, but we'll get onto that in a little while.
0: Yeah, I mean, most definitely. I mean, and I we should probably say right now. I mean, I, I there's a lot of snark out there in, in the world of podcasts, and so I'm going to try my very best to be as uh, as critical as possible when analyzing this and when discussing it, because I mean, if if you and I wanted, we could just become low rent comedians of sorts, you know, tearing this thing apart. Um, and I, I don't really think that's fair. So.
1: No, and I will say from the outset, I do actually find the series quite endearing, uh, and I didn't, you know, it wasn't a a horrible slog getting through it. I do think it's got there's a lot of problems with it, and there's a lot of um, issues that we will highlight and that, but uh, I, I don't really have particularly negative views towards, you know, the cast and the and the and the production in general. I think it was hampered by various factors, but it is, you know, it it's by no means an awful show it, I, at worst i'd say it's a bland show
0: yeah yeah well that, that's a very generous way of saying it uh and but before we get into the show i mean you and i uh we we've been planning this for a while but uh, mm-hmm. you and i are both fans of ciders and so i think yes. to uh i think to get through this uh you know relatively coherently we should say uh we both have uh we both have our respective cider so we do i, indeed. Just, I just cracked mine open
1: so yours um, is a can of
0: mine Mine is a can, so this is this is a local company. Uh, this mm-hmm. is a, a, a company by the name of uh, Stem Ciders. So mm-hmm. this is called Hibiscus Session Apple Cider. So I'm okay. taking a drink now. What do you have?
1: I have a bottle of uh, Copperberg. Uh, uh, With mixed fruit, so Copperberg is a is a Swedish cider, so which I thought was apt, but uh, that's by coincidence really. I didn't seek this one uh, out uh, specifically because of the uh, because it's Swedish. It's just my favourite.
0: Very nice. Very nice. Well, last time you were on, um, we discussed the package and, you know, we we talked about Steven Seagal, uh, you know, yes. quite quite a bit, because I know that he is I think it's fair to say he's your favorite action star who came out of from the 80s and the 90s. But I didn't get to ask you about Dolph. And so I wanted to take a minute just to ask you your opinions on Dolph, particularly the concept of him headlining a television series. Now, I will say right now, and I said this back when, back when I discussed blackjack on the blackjack episode. Mm-hmm. I will say right now, I think, I think the conceit and the idea of a television, st- uh, of, of a television show starring Dolph Lundgren with him in the lead, or maybe not in the lead, but if he's at least a side character who's at least on the front lines, if you will, I think mm-hmm. that is a really cool concept that sadly it, it really is a shame that a guy like him has had the opportunity multiple times in his career to headline a TV show. And the results that we got were uh, not very favorable. We will, we will say blackjack when we look at blackjack, that one at least also had John Woo at the helm of it. So that one has a couple things of note um, kind of going, uh, going for it. Mm-hmm. This particular one is just i mean oh boy it's th- this one i don't even know if this one really ever lifted off this one didn't even have legs before it lifted off i guess we can say you know what i mean
1: yeah i think it was hampered before it could it, it, it even got off the uh, off the starting gate or is the right term but the yeah so dolph in a tv series i mean the thing is blackjack was like completely the dolph wheelhouse it's a, it's an action show uh you know it was an action pilot this is not an action show. This is like a this is a completely different kind of thing. It's it's much more of an ensemble drama, really, with a little bit of action thrown in. But it, it's it's actually a bit of a left fit, left sort of turn for Dolph, and maybe that's why it didn't quite um, come off in certain respects. But it, the, yeah, I'd, um, Dolph has done, and you you've done an episode covering the, uh, Dolph's myriad uh, television appearances in uh, was it Chuck and. Sunny in Philadelphia and, and stuff like that. Well, I haven't yeah. seen those unfortunately, but um, but yeah, Dol- Dolph in the right project could be great, you know. Um, but we we we've seen mo- many of the action heroes of the eighties sort of taking that turn. I think Sliced Stallone's on the cards to do one. I mean, it's that's happened before. Stallone was going to do a TV series and then it hasn't happened, um, but. Yeah, the, I mean, Chuck Norris obviously is kind of the high watermark, you know, in terms of having success on television, I'd say, and various others of, you know, of the aforementioned uh, Steven Seagal has done it as well. But, say yeah, I like Dolph. Big fan, uh, I'm a big fan of, um, you know, Dark Angel was like a, a pivotal film for me when I was young. And, uh, uh I've been, I've, he's never been one of my, Absolute favourites, but I've always been really interested in in the films that he's done. Not uh, and uh, although I haven't seen a, a lot of his recent work, I am trying to play catch up. And especially in uh, uh, his his latest film, as we're recording this, Castle Falls, I thought he was tremendous, uh, both in front of and behind the camera.
0: Well, with regard to this particular project, I mean, I, I should probably ask you first. Actually, did this did this air out in your neck of the woods in the UK? Did it? Did this get airtime?
1: As far as I know, no, um, th- there's a chance that it was on some little station tucked away, but it was certainly not on any of the high profile ones. Uh, not, I mean, Steven Seagal's series turned up on a, on a sort of a secondary, sort of lower tier channel here, but it's, it still got promoted and stuff. So it was, you know, we were aware about it. I think, I don't think I even knew about this show for quite a long time. And it's, it's only because it turned up on, Prime, which I think is its main home these days uh, internationally, um, is because I think it stopped. Uh, from sources I've seen online, it actually stopped being run on television around to, around 2018. And uh, so I was excited. You know, the whole uh, the idea of seeing Dolph in this TV show was really exciting, and to be able to sort of dive in, uh, you know, no pun intended, and and see what it, see what it's all about was. Uh, I was always going to be up for that.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, and look, I mean, you already said it about Sylvester Stallone earlier. I I will say right now, the landscape of television is a completely different animal than where it was 20 years ago, even 10 years ago, for that matter. I mean, it's really interesting. I mean, because, yeah, uh, we have television shows nowadays that are attracting Huge top tier talent. Okay, I mean we have Yellowstone, which is uh, starring Kevin Costner. Um, Sylvester Stallone has apparently signed on for one that's going to be on Paramount Plus. And I think, I think the big reason for why television is now the uh, now it, it, it's so appealing. I guess we could say to actors. I mean, because it used to be back in the '90s, if you remember these days, television was kind of a kiss of death for an actor. Mm-hmm. Like if a movie star was going into the realm of TV um that was uh that that was not really a good sign for or a good career move i guess we could say nowadays no. it's flipped okay because yeah, nowadays it's prestigious we have, now it's prestigious now because i i will say you know it's interesting and this is something that stephen tolkien uh, the 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 great screenwriter stephen tolkien said nowadays with television shows there's really not much of a difference in terms of quality from a television show to to a movie, you know what I mean, and so now we have these streaming giants. Okay, obviously we mentioned Paramount Plus, but Netflix and Hulu. So you have all of these, uh, all of these pre- prestigious actors and, like I said, top tier talent who are signing on for television. And I think there's a couple reasons for this, a couple factors for this. I think the first one is because, I mean, a lot of people nowadays prefer watching an episodic, serialized television show rather than an actual movie. I think the other reason for this is because, you know, it's that is sustainable work, okay? I mean, mm-hmm. if you're an actor and you sign on for a TV show, what that's going to do is that's going to guarantee you steady work for, a, uh, for an extended period of time. And so mm-hmm. I think when the idea and the concept came across Dolph's desk to do a, uh, to do a TV show, That right there is steady work that is going to give him something to uh, something to work on for an extended period of time. So I can understand why not just Dolph, but any actor for that matter, is pretty much biting for whatever kind of TV project is going to come their way.
1: Yeah. And I just want to uh, mention a high what for me was a high watermark, but not in terms of the ratings, because similar to this show. Uh, it only lasted one season and that's uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme's foray into into tele- in, into dramatic uh, television which was um Jean-Claude Jean-Claude Van Johnson for Amazon which was exactly what you're saying it it's it's got the production values of a movie it's probably got the better it's got more production value than any of the movies that he's made in the last 10 years I'd say you know the the, the ones he's headlining the DTV ones and you know it's shot in what they they they're shooting tv series in widescreen with black bars you know like cinematic you know proper cinematic widescreen so they look and feel like movies the boys is another recent example and that's a long that's a continuous story you know that's the other thing that's a, a key thing in television these days it's the ongoing arcs and that which i think maybe one of the downfalls of safe is that it was Kind of between that, it didn't really. It wasn't really doing that. It was more of a. It was more that sort of episodic, you know, soap operaish kind of show, rather than having a a, a sustained story. And you know, and I think maybe that's one of the one of the potential issues with it. But yeah, Jean Claude Van Johnson. If nobody's seen it, I would say you know that's it, it's not going to get another season, unfortunately. But it's it's definitely worth checking out some of Van Dam's most interesting work in recent years.
0: Well, and uh, yeah, I I agree with everything you said. I think the um, other issues, because there were there were a lot of problems percolating with this particular project that were kind of bubbling at the at the surface of this. And so I kind of there's a part of me that kind of wishes that Dolph pretty much uh, ran when the writing was on the wall. And in some respects, he kind of did because he had Expendables 3. That was lining up to be uh, that was going to be shooting. So here he is. He's the lead of the show, but he just kind of unceremoniously dips out for over half the episodes. <laughs> so, mm. um, but the, the one thing that I wanted to mention is this was pretty much when this idea came across his desk. It was already going to be um it, it was very clear that this was a syndicated television show and yeah. i feel like syndicated tv so I, i'd be curious to get your takes on what syndicated television looks like in in the uk but here in the states there's two kinds of uh of syndicated tv shows there are the shows that run on major networks okay that uh, get i think the uh, i think the the golden number is to get about 4 or 5 seasons cuz once a television show gets 4 or 5 seasons it's then eligible to go into syndication so what happens is various markets and various other channels will then get those shows get those you know the whole whole package of those particular shows and then they'll air them you know on weekday afternoons or on you know weekends in the afternoon things of that nature they basically reruns if you will yeah. Yeah. The other form of syndicated television is, for example, um, what was his name? Kevin Sorbo. Okay. Kevin Sorbo, the Hercules show, Lucy mm-hmm. Lawless, the, uh, the the Xena Warrior Princess show. Michael mm-hmm. Bean had one called Adventure Inc. And then, of course, uh, Adrian Paul did the show Highlander. So what these are is these are all hour-long action-oriented shows, okay, that – aren 't specific to one particular channel, okay if you look at most television shows sopranos that 's that 's specific to uh, to HBO, hBO and sons yeah. of yeah sons of anarchy that 's specific to fX okay those are all shows that are kind of built in house if you will mm-hmm. when it comes to one of these syndicated shows, what happens is they are filmed and then they are sold to various markets okay and so with safe okay when I heard that This was going to be syndicated. I was thinking to myself, okay, well, what channel is this going to be on? Okay, because I knew that it was going to be on kind of one of the lower rent channels. And I also knew that it was going to be be, uh, airing on a weekend. Okay, because predominantly, again, here in the States, I don't know how it is in the UK, but here in the States, all of these syndicated shows, they're not aired in primetime. Okay, they they, they're aired on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon sandwiched in between infomercials and uh, and sports games that that is kind of the that's why I said it's kind of the wasteland, if you will, of television programming that that is syndicated TV. And so when I heard that that this little show that Dolph was going to be doing was going to be going into that market, that right there was a huge warning sign and red flag where I'm thinking, I don't know if this is going to be very good.
1: Yeah, it's like a, I mean I was looking up this a bit. I mean as the term I came up uh, came across was first run syndicated or first run dis, first run syndication. Right. So which is kind of I, I I'm kind of equating that with pickups and you know in in films so the the film is kind of made independently and then bought by you know a, a distributor. And this seems to be a TV series that was made to be, bo- to be sold initially rather than made, you know, uh, under the ABC or whoever it was. And so it, it's coming from a different place. One of the things that came up was, um, and I don't know how true this is. Uh, I think it was from the Wikipedia page. It said it was the first independently financed one hour drama to air on the US in prime time, um, which I found quite surprising if that's, if that's true that, 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 that it's, um, you know, that it, that it's, but it's that unique in that sense of, you know, what they were trying to do. Um, but yeah, syndication, I it's not a term we're really familiar with over here. And I, I don't, it might be classified as a thing, but I don't think it is at least not in the same way, you know, because we, we've got and up until, you know, recently, um, we had very few channels and it was, um, you know, you kind of knew what shows were on what channel and they, they always stay on that channel. They don't actually go anywhere else until kind of more recently streaming services, whatever come along. And so therefore you, uh, the BBC, for example, the BBC shows are on the BBC and then they turn up on, uh, they might be available to rent on Amazon or something, but they, they go onto other services. Like, um, there's a streaming service called BritBox that the BBC sort of invests in. And they give the content for, um, but generally we get the sort of bought up, the programs that are bought in from other places are usually bought in from America or Australia. And again, they're sort of quite exclusive to particular uh, channels. So whether that's terrestrial television, BBC, ITV, being the two big players, or um, or satellite television, which is basically Sky is, is, is the only game in town. Um, so yeah, so I'm not sure if we have the same kind of thing. I mean, when I was growing up, we would always watch uh, when Sky came along, you know, they bought all the American shows. So, you know, so I was watching Mr. Ed and (laughs) uh, stuff of that stuff of that type um, combined, you know, in between their original programming as we would term it now. But uh, it, it, it's kind of, yeah, we've, we've just sort of had the original programming sort of stays where it is as far as I know. So I I don't think we have syndication in the same way that you do.
0: Yeah, this in my neck of the woods. Okay, I remember when this first premiered and came out. This aired at uh, five PM on Sunday afternoons or evenings, however you want to classify the glory hour of uh
1: of five PM. So yeah, so I don't the I don't name think... that the name that's coming up when I when I was researching it was Tribune Broadcasting in Illinois. Apparently, they bought it first. Is 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 that a channel Tribune?
0: I don't think that's a channel. I know
1: um, it's it's like a media company. They probably. Yeah.
0: Yeah. WGN. WGN is a pretty big channel and and network Mm -hmm. out here. They uh, they were um, airing it in quite a few markets Um, out in my in my neck of the woods. It was uh, it was aired on a channel called My Network TV, Mm -hmm. which pretty much airs nothing but uh, nothing. But there's a news program on it, as well as mostly syndicated television shows court shows, things of that nature. So, I mean, it's that right there, I think, you know, when I think that's decided at the get-go, you kind of knew what we were getting into. The other thing that, um, I, I, at the time, it was not a red flag, but as I look upon it now, I'm thinking, oh, man, one of the big producing teams behind this was the, in my opinion, notorious Emmett and Furla, okay? So (laughs) Emmett. A- A- Emmett and furlaw they now have their own production house uh, efo productions um, i've i don 't know if i 've said it on this particular podcast, but i don 't have much good to say about them unfortunately with with these particular guys is look they're they 're making money, but it seems like with all of their films money is is at the forefront of their productions and when it comes to quality, that is kind of an afterthought i mean they they're responsible for pretty much everything that Bruce Willis has done of the last ten years, and so yeah, they came on for the for this particular project and were producing it. And from when I was going back through and kind of looking up various reviews and researching it, it sounds like they promised this particular project that it was this was going to be made for millions upon millions of dollars, and then once the cameras started rolling, it's like they were just cutting costs. At every minute, every angle. They even changed locations. It was going to be, I mean, shot in uh, Los Angeles. I think that was one of the big reasons why Dolph signed on for it was because he moved. He moved back to California, and instead, they they changed the production to go to uh, uh, South Africa. You yeah. know what I mean? Like so, EFO people out there, let me just say right now, if you see the name EFO on any production, even if the trailer looks good, you need to run, please. <laughs>
1: But isn't that? But having knowing that sort of coming, you know, with the. I mean, this was made in twenty thirteen, uh, you know, ran twenty thirteen, twenty fourteen, and we came and we've seen a lot of Rand Limit specifically Rand Limit because he's kind of the the, the player George Furler kind of bankrolls in basically. I think to an extent he's kind of like the silent partner, and um, but all their productions they do the you know get a get a big name star but you don't actually see him very often kind of thing that we've become all familiar with. And this is basically one of the templates of that. This is like the TV series version of all what they're doing with the movies now. This is the same. You might if, if Bruce Willis signed on, I mean, I know he's done TV in the past, but if Bruce Willis signed on to do a TV series now, I guarantee it would be like this. It would probably be if Emmett Furler did a series and they got Bruce Willis in, we'd barely see him. Because that's that's the modus operandi: get a big name star, draw the draw people in, and then you know make excuses, or you know, or just don't mention him why he's off screen.
0: Well, with with regard to this particular project, I mean, I, I kind of mentioned it already earlier, but okay, let's just let's just look at the premise of this. Okay, so I think the uh, I think the obvious comparison that we can. That we compare this to is Baywatch, and that I mean that that's very very obvious, and that makes the most sense because this was uh, this cr- was created by Gregory J. Bonin and Ty Collins of their uh, their production company, which is known as Tower 18. Okay, Gregory J. Bonin is actually the creator of Baywatch. What he's doing here with this, with this project is he's basically trying to do a new Baywatch for, for 2013, okay? And that right there is, is just so dated, okay? Because if you, look at, if you look at Baywatch, okay, and I think even when Baywatch was huge, okay, Baywatch, I think even then everybody knew that it was an extremely dopey show, but it was a product of the time. Okay. it it ran for 11
1: years, unbelievably, 11 years.
0: years. Because what it had at its core was it was not really – it didn't have a serialized story, if you will. It was pretty much uh, about what? A group of lifeguards who save the day or get into some kind of dangerous situation every episode, save the day at the end, and at the end they're all laughing and giggling, and then sandwiched in between these various – Action sequences, and I, I say action sequences lightly and put that in quotes, but sandwiched in between are lots of slow motion shots of the various characters. The camera really loves to ogle the uh, the lifeguards, both male and female, and you can look at it nowadays as, as saying, okay, it was extremely sexist and everything, and by all accounts, Sure. Yes, it was, but it You've was just such...
1: described the same show as saying <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, it was such a product of the time, though. I mean, it was such a product of the 90s. I wouldn't go mm-hmm. so far as saying it was a concept that worked. But at the time, I mean, yeah, you said it. It's it ran for 11 seasons. It, it was it was a um, it was a phenomenon. I think we can agree.
1: And what they've done here is they've gone, you know what? Let's go high concept on this let's combine <laughs> different different med, uh, you know emergency service dramas and and then put three of them together and uh so we got yeah the coast guard uh, firefighters and uh was it lifeguards and uh, you know bring them all together into this high concept show that but then have have no money to actually execute it
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, and we haven't. uh Okay, so this this is the premise when the when the show was being sold and marketed to all of these various markets and everything like that. This is what it was. Okay. And I don't even know if, if as a as a package, if this came across anybody's desk, if this sounds, you know, appealing, but it's pretty much Yeah, it's basically another version of Baywatch. Okay, only we have California's elite multi-agency task force known as at when this was first being shopped around i should probably say rich it was going the 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 series was going by rescue three and then they changed it to safe um which consists of the cream of the crop from los angeles lifeguard firefighters and coast guard agencies these are the heroes who answer the most challenging of calls and these are specialists who collaborate coordinate and initiate daring rescues in the most dangerous venues such as air fire and water to save human life i guess it sounds a little exciting you know from that but i'll be honest right now the idea and the conceit of Dolph, who at the time was in his 50s playing essentially a badass tough guy lifeguard just did not sound appealing in the least
1: no, I yeah we'll, we'll probably you know we can get into this a bit more later but I don't think he's a good fit for this. No. Uh I think he's you know he's fine he certainly looks great in in it and stuff but yeah it it's not it, it it isn't quite the role for him and and maybe he realized that.
0: Well I think the other issue with this going in is it's okay when you're comparing it to Baywatch because I love what you said is look it it's the same thing as Baywatch <laughs> it's it's the exact same premise, and the thing that Baywatch did is it took David Hasselhoff, who I don't know. Would would you say around the time of Baywatch, would you call David Hasselhoff washed up around that time? No pun intended.
1: Well, I mean, not, you know, it was a, f- a few years had passed since sort of, sort of like the, the high point at Night Rider. Yeah. I'd say you know he was kind of drifting at that point, and and Baywatch certainly got him back. You know, although the show wasn't. I mean, he was the lead of the show, but he wasn't the star of the show. If you see what I mean, that became people like, you know, Pamela Anderson and stuff. But he was the initial draw uh, to to sort of headline this thing, and you know it, that kept him working for many years. But I, I don't think it was, I don't think it's it was his show in 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 the same way that Knight Rider was his show. If you see what I mean. Right.
0: Well, I think I think that was my my big issue with this was, OK, the casual viewer who's going to turn in, who's going to turn on to the show. OK, so let because mm. let's be honest, I think the only people who really uh, tune into this were fans of Dolph who, you know, knew that it was going to be airing. But OK, the the casual person who is on a Sunday afternoon folding laundry and turns on the TV and sees this particular show. I feel like it's going to depict Dolph as being a uh, David Hasselhoff has been, if you will, or, or someone or basically or someone who's starring in a Baywatch knockoff type program who is on the same level as uh, as David Hasselhoff. And for me, that's kind of where I was like, no. Dolph deserves so much better. And we, we can go, maybe I should talk to the guys over at the David Hasselhoff podcast and, and ask them if, if they feel that, that David Hasselhoff deserved better. But I mean, for a show like Baywatch, I mean that again, that show had a lot going for it that made it last 11 seasons for Dolph think, to be coming yeah. in. You know, th- this was in his second wind or his second coming, if you will, after mm-hmm. expendables one and expendables two for him to be doing a TV show that is, you know, just so cheesy and lame and poorly constructed as this was, it was like, man, and that's the only thing that I keep coming back to is the average viewer who tuned into this. What were they thinking? And I, I can only imagine that they were looking at this and thinking, oh, that that's Dolph. Remember that guy? You know what I mean?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the um, I just sort of step back a, a, a little bit. When I was looking up about the show and when it was being first originally touted as rescue three, I thought it was, I found something really interesting that Jim and John Thomas who wrote predator were originally lined up to write the show. And uh, obviously that didn't pan out. And I guess if they, they ended up going with less experienced screenwriters, but um, that could be, that's probably another example of what you were saying with, you know, the, the grander aspirations of the show initially, and then, you know, the, the belt tightening of, you know, cutting down on, on the budget so much. But I think if they'd have stuck to that, stuck to the, what they were originally going for, and like you say, shoot it in the States, uh, you know, make it, you know, make it properly locally and get really, really good, you know, writers and directors on board and stuff, they could have made a really solid show that the issues Become apparent when you know that the the low budget nature of it, you know, it is it it is so apparent that um, that it's you know when Dolph co- and yeah when Dolph comes on screen and then vanishes, for example, and then you're stuck <laughs> with these other characters. And as with all these Dolph, mo- and as as with all these um, Bruce Willis movies and Steven Seagal movies in, in recent years, you know, it, it's you're there for them, and then when they're off screen you're just waiting for him to come back again. And that's a very distracting uh, for engaging with the show. uh, So that I ultimately came to sort of overcome that to an extent, but uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's not really a surprise that, that uh, the show sort of didn't get off to the, to the best start with, you know, viewers and and then build an audience in, in the same way as for example, a Baywatch did. Regardless of the time period, I think, you know, there's it could have it could have still worked. um, But, yeah, it's uh, say hampered by those attributes.
0: Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, when we talk about the budget. Yeah. So Emmett and Furlaw, they guaranteed. okay, this is what they they said when uh, the the show was being developed and everything, that this Hmm. was going to use a fifty five million dollar budget. Okay, wow. so that means that uh, each episode was expected to cost two and a half million. that of course did not happen. and what they did is again, due to budgetary reasons because again, these this this division here, rich okay this this division of safe, these lifeguards, coast guards, firefighters, okay, yes. everything all in one, they are ostensibly we are to believe based out of Malibu, okay, but then again, because the budget was shorting shortening things on every angle possible, they changed it to uh, South Africa because I'm assuming, I'm guessing that I guess the weather in South Africa could easily double for, uh, for California. So they decided they'd be, they would, you know, cut some costs and things would be cheaper by shifting the production over there, which, okay. Weather, weather is one thing, but as I was watching this, I was thinking to myself, where are the palm trees? And there are no palm (laughs) trees in the show.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a it, um Cape. Uh, they've shot it in Cape Town, and uh, it's a really popular location actually for um for for many shows that want want to get an atmosphere of uh, various American cities and 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 locations that 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 they shoot there, films and TV shows. So, uh, sometimes it plays its you know it is itself. So Steven Seagal did Mercenary for Justice over there, but where it was supposed to be Cape Town, South Africa, but then I've we watched uh, uh, over on the DTV Digest. We watched Slumber Party Massacre recently, which is set in the states, in the woods, and whatever, but was shot all in all over there. And uh, uh, there's another really good film uh, with Sean Astin called Slipstream. And I think Paul Walker did uh, a film called Vehicle 19. I think that was yeah. shot in South Africa. Anyway, the, so there's a, there's a lot to offer in that location. So I completely understand why they went there, but. I mean, you've picked up on the palm trees, the, the, you know, the, it's the the way the program is made. There's not really many establishing shots and there's not really many wide shots. It's all it's all very close and you don't get a sense. They They just tell you it's the place and you kind of have to just buy into it. And then what's hilarious is later they say, oh, we're going to do an overseas episode and we're going to go to Cape Town, South Africa, <laughs> <laughs> which basically which- looks exactly the same.
0: Which begs the question okay, if that's what they're going to do, why not pull an Audible last minute and just make this division of safe, okay, make make it exist out of South Africa, okay? And then we have Dolph's character, who is an American who moves over there for whatever reasons and has to kind of help run that program. I'm not saying that would have made the show better, but don't tell me that this is a, you know, a sexy California wannabe Baywatch ripoff show, if you will, when you're not even, you know what I mean? Like I feel like with Baywatch and I, I can't, I can't remember and I'm not going to go back, but I want to say that Baywatch was filmed in California and that, and that location was very much a character in itself, just alongside David Hasselhoff and Pamela Anderson. But Mm -hmm. you know, if you're going to change it up, have it take place in, uh, in Cape town, South Africa. I don't think there would have been too much of an issue doing that.
1: No, the, um, yeah, I think I think they just wanted they want you know they want it to be apple pie, don't they? They want they want it to be an American show. They want it to make it. They want them. They want it to feel an American show. They don't want the the um if they if they set it there, then then that probably they, they they I think they'd feel that they'd lose the audience because it doesn't have that homegrown even artificial homegrown sort of look or, or look or feel to it. That's my, that's my impression. I just think that they're not bold enough to sort of take that risk.
0: Some, something else that you pointed out to me as well. Uh, when, when you were, uh, trudging through these episodes and it, it's, it's really apparent. And I think it needs to be noticed is the budget. Okay. Or what, what little budget this show had, it mm. seems like they put a good chunk of it toward branding. Okay, because oh, gosh. Yes. every every character is wearing the television show's logo. Every boat on the show, every helmet that the characters are wearing, everything, are all, absolutely everything, everything. <laughs> is wearing the logo. Which, okay, if if the show had gone for about a good three, four seasons, okay, maybe I can I can see that. But it's almost like they were purposely counting their chickens before they had. Like, <laughs> were they were they planning on selling safe T shirts?
1: I don't know, but it's, it's almost like actually it's, it's kind of reflective of the real life situation, but maybe like this division gets set up and then through poor management, they've spent <laughs> all the money on the marketing and no money on the actual equipment. <laughs> and the, I mean, they, when the show starts, I mean, they're, they're all very sparse locations, but their HQ in the first one is basically a flat, what looks like, you know, it's sort of like a very small room and, uh, and they upgrade that in about in about episode six or seven to a more expansive area, but it, it, I mean it still it still doesn't look as impressive. But it, it's a big step up. Uh, I don't know whether they like got a little cash injection or something, and they said, "Oh, actually, we've got to make this look a bit bigger." So they changed the location. But yeah, the there's no um, they just they just didn't have the um, money for uh, you know good 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 quality sets or anything everything was spent on this um on the on this mer- merchandise basically you know it's on the surfboards it's on everything
0: it's on everything it's it's, I mean, it's a good logo i do insane. like it
1: but to, to sort of step back a bit um sorry i keep saying that but the show's title the show's name safe but saf3 i think that's a problem because i i always i thought it was saf3 And I'm sure a lot of people did, because, you know, how would you know that you're supposed that the three is supposed to be an E, but it's, you know, turned back. I mean, Rescue 3 is very clear. And they tried to be clever by changing it to C, Air, Fire, 3, you know, to (laughs) to, to emphasize that it's the three. And then I think they're just trying to be way too clever there. And then the marketing, um, the campaign, the promotional campaign uh, has the slogan, Are You Safe?
0: Every yeah. character, every character got their own little brief 30 second TV spot or whatever that yep. aired on the internet or whatever, where basically they're given their characters bio. I was actually going to play a couple here in a minute, mm-hmm. uh, but where they give their characters bio and then they end it with, are you safe? Like I we're all. <laughs> <wolfs>. <laughs> yeah. T- yeah and, <laughs> that,
1: and the thing is now, I don't know if this is, a, you know, you're a teacher, so you can set me right on if I'm wrong with it, but are you safe is a question where's the question mark and that just yeah. bugs the hell out of me you know it's a it's a question without a question mark and i've, I've seen that a couple of times recently and uh it just bugs me because they're making it they're saying are you safe as a statement <laughs> so, is that acceptable to drop the question mark is something like that from your perspective
0: no it's not it's not uh um it's not acceptable. And it really just doesn't make sense. Every one of those little uh those little blips or those little promos, they all end it where they're staring at the camera and saying, Are you safe? Because yeah, I guess it doesn't make it...
1: yeah, it doesn't make it any does... sense. Does it? <laughs> because I
0: guess I guess as a viewer, I guess this this Bonin guy who produced it is hoping that if we're watching it, we're gonna say, Oh man, no, I do not feel safe, but I'm gonna watch this show. Because I know that these firemen, these coast guards, these lifeguards, and everything that you guys do are going to make me uh, are are, are going to make me feel safe by the end of each episode, right?
1: Yeah, I think that's that's sort of maybe the idea. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if they thought. I don't know if they they thought they just came up with it. Like, say, are you safe? It's great. We'll go with that. And it's like, but they hadn't really thought through the, the, the what what actually that involves or whatever. They just yeah, it just it doesn't really fit. It's it's not. It it's, it implies a lot of menace. I think you know where they come out. It's, you know, <laughs> it's it's like a um you know what you would call like after school special messages or, or whatever it is, stuff. And it's just as it just the um uh or public service announcements or whatever. You know what I mean? It's it's just it it, it didn't reflect the show. It kind of established something bit more sinister. And uh, and and some of the way the deli- the line is delivered, they just don't really work. So Dolph doesn't seem hugely committed to, to his line readings there.
0: Well, and the last the last thing that I will say regarding the show in the in the pre production phase is okay. And I know we've kind of gone on uh, ad, ad nauseum about this, but this is I think one of the most hilarious aspects about this and i directed you to it earlier prior to our conversation so apparently greg Bonin's friends is a chiropractor okay and this guy put up money for the show he became one of the producers and so what they did is they wrote in chiropractic work into one of the characters and i was actually going to play the clip uh here in a minute but basically uh yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of the, the seedy side of Hollywood that we don't really want to know about. It's product placement, if you want to call it that. But the uh, the character um, whose name I can't remember, but she is apparently, she has expertise in chiropractic work, and that's only thrown in there because one of his drinking buddies was <laughs> is, is a chiropractor and put up money. So... Yeah, that's uh,
1: Graciela Vega's character played by Jocelyn Osorio.
0: One of the things that we really want to do here is create a family show.
1: Graciela Vega is an army trauma nurse who also emphasizes chiropractic in her background.
0: Part of the reason that we wanted to integrate chiropractic into the story is it's one of the best forms of keeping your body in its prime physical shape. Chiropractors like Scott Levine manage your health from a holistic approach because they know that you're more than just your symptoms. Chiropractors know that healing comes from the inside out. And so I
1: guess... He's the medic
0: she's the medic yeah and so i guess i mean and i i know i'm i'm maybe i'm being perhaps a little smug here but i don't think i mean this this production seems like it was one step away from okay let's say one of uh, greg Bonin's other friends was uh, he owned a, a a couple ice cream franchises i think what they would have done is they would have uh, had texas battle his character would be having a hankering for ice cream in every episode. Like this is the level of uh, of, of product placement and immaturity I think that we're dealing with here.
1: Well, that was well. There's a little bit of that. I mean, I don't know if it's an actual thing, but um, the uh, Katie Meehan's character, uh, Char- lifeguard Charlie Fraser, they sort of randomly say, "Oh, I run this mobile coffee company on the side." uh you know she's she's just set up this company that sells coffee which just it's just that's that's quite left field so i don't know whether that was tied in with anything but uh... i'm glad you brought
0: that up because yeah there's there's a couple scenes where she just makes these like smoothie drinks for everyone and they're all just talking about their 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 next battle plan if you will as they're drinking these smoothie drinks with whipped cream on top even Dolph, and it is Mm. it's You know, I mean, there's that, there's that term secondhand embarrassment. And there are so many scenes where I see Dolph, you know, he's sipping this Frappuccino and it's kind of like, dude, I feel embarrassed for you right now. (laughs) Well, let's, let's take a look at the, uh, at the rest of the, the cast of this show. Okay. And this actually this rich. This gives us a great opportunity to, to play those, uh, those, those, are you safe promo bits for the show? So, okay. So like I said, Dolph, he is the leader to this uh, to this crew of uh, of real life heroes here. Okay, and so included in, in this cast, okay, helping Dolph out, we have J.R. Martinez. He portrays the character of Alfonso Rivera. I've been trained to handle extreme situations, but nothing could have prepared me for this. Are you safe? Safe. An all new series coming this fall. J.R. Martinez—he pretty much came to—he—he uh, he got famous for—he was—he's uh, an actual Iraq Army veteran, okay. And then he was on All My Children, and then he—he uh, he won season thirteen of Dancing with the Stars. He's also a published author, okay. And uh, yeah, so he is in the show. Uh, once once Dolph leaves the show due to rehab. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh J.R. Martinez, he takes over and he becomes our lead character.
1: Yeah. And I would argue this, that this is his show. Um, you know, more and 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 we'll we'll get onto it later, but I think, but uh yeah, I think J uh, the baton is kind of passed to him. I'm not sure whether how intended that was from the outset, but he, I think he certainly rose to the occasion. And I'm I wasn't familiar with him before this. Uh and uh he is a man who's, who's had, uh, uh, um, who's been burned, severely burned. And uh, he's you know, I've never seen a mainstream television series with a disfigured uh, leading man, you know, lead actor. And uh, I think that's, that's one of the things that makes this series particularly notable. And I think he he does, he does a great, he does a great thing with this particular, he doesn't get always get the best material, but uh, I do like him in this, and I think he he's um, he's a good lead.
0: Are you are you a fan of Dancing with the Stars? Is that a show that you DVR every week?
1: Um, uh, no, <laughs> no, I used to watch it over here. It's called Strictly Come Dancing, uh, and okay, it's, uh, and it's still running. So um, yeah, they've got. I mean, I think it started here, then in you know in America they remade it. I think you've even got one of the same judges, uh, Bruno Tognoni, flies over to star it, to do dancing with the stars. And then I think he got stuck over there during COVID and couldn't come back to do our one. And there's all that sort of thing going on. Um, but yeah, it's a, that's where we could sort of step back onto the whole syndication thing. That's kind of the thing that's more pop, more common in the UK is that we invent a TV show and then it gets, the concept gets sold to different to internationally. So America buys loads of the concepts. So, you know, who wants to be there yeah. and you know, all, all that kind of stuff all gets remade o- over, over there. So that's probably something that's more come. So no, I wasn't familiar with him from, from that or, or, or anything else, but, uh, they do, you know, very heavy handedly put a dancing scene in for jail Martinez toward the end of the season.
0: It, it's funny. Cause I do remember. Yeah. When, uh, uh, when the weakest link came over here to the states, oh, you've got that, I think as well. that okay. was yeah. Well, it's not anymore, but when it came over, that was a pretty big deal. Same thing mm-hmm. with America's Got Talent, and didn't uh, didn't the yeah. UK yeah. originate yeah. that as well? Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, Simon Cowell, yeah.
0: Um. Also, rounding out uh, Dolph's team, we have Lydia Hull. She's pretty much uh, she would I, I would say she's what his she's Dolph's second in command until uh, J.R. Martinez. He, he comes in and he gets a more active role in the show. My dad
1: was a firefighter. It's all I ever wanted to be. The truck, the siren, the risk.
0: One day the horn sounded and my dad never came home. Are you safe? Safe, an all-new series... Coming this fall. Um, her acting, I will say, is uh, is not the best. Uh, we also have uh, Texas Battle, whose character is cleverly named Texas. I got this drive to be the best. I set records in every sport I played in, high school and college. But no trophy is going to prepare you for the feeling. Of holding someone's life in your hands. Are you safe? Safe. An all new series. Coming this fall. Uh, We have Daniel Anderson, Katie Meehan, Travis Burns, and Jocelyn Osorio. And I think in the end, all of these actors fit pretty much the... The same MO that I think uh, Greg Bonin was looking for when casting this show, which is young, beautiful people who uh, we can we can film in slow motion and have the camera ogle at.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, Texas Battle, I think, is probably the most committed and most experienced probably of the the young cast. I mean, he's he'd done. I think he'd done some movies. I mean, I know he was in like Final Destination Three and and a few other, other bits, I think. But uh, yeah, he, he I, I think he qu- he gives his all to this as much as J.R. Martinez does. And I think the others are trying their best. Uh, Katie Mee- Meehan's very inexperienced. This was like her first thing. And I think she really I think she she's one of the best things in it. Uh is she
0: the is she the? Yeah, coffee, she, she, the Yeah, she's the young, that?
1: the young lifeguard, the eighteen-year-old um, who you know is really sweet and friendly and helps out Alfonso and.
0: People always think it's about the red suit. It's not. It's about the team. Are you safe? Safe. An all-new series coming this
1: fall. She's playing a particular type, you know, of, of character. There's not a lot of depth there but you know she's just a very sweet presence and uh, so i think i don't think she's done a huge amount after the show but i thought she she actually did work really well on on on, on the flip side of that you have got travis Burns, poor old travis burns who who was there to be sort of like the young uh the young male like you know eye candy and and he got dumped after eight episodes you know they 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 didn't even they didn't even write him out properly they just literally replaced him with a with a new character called jared who's a helicopter pilot and about 10 years older. And uh, he just appeared, uh, who just suddenly appears in the next episode and uh, you get, is that, hang on, uh, Tra- Travis Burns' character, Chase, they'd kind of been building him up and he was, he was having a, you know, they uh, sort of, he'd started to, he was going to go out with the character um, Casey uh, played by Danielle Anson, who's the daughter of Dolph Lundgren's departed, uh, um, uh, I don't know if she was his wife or his girlfriend. I think it was—I'm going to say wife—but um, you know she's passed away, and and he discovers that this 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 was her daughter. This was yeah uh, from a previous relationship, and uh, there's a whole plot arc there with them. And so Travis and her are kind of getting together at the end of the episode, end of episode seven, and then he's completely gone. <laughs> I had to go back and check it. I did. I, I'd gone through the series twice, and then I went back to check the episode. I was like, right, there he is. There he is. He's there. He's there. He's there. He's gone.
0: <laughs> so, well, you know, you know who they. No you know, attention. Well, you know, who they also ditch as well. I don't know if you noticed her or not, but um, Jenny Sanderson. That is uh, at the time uh, this this was being filmed. Um, she was she was Dolph's girlfriend. Okay, oh, and okay. you see her in the background. She gets a couple speaking lines, but right. not a heck of a lot. But she is also a member of Safe, who just disappears and floats in and out of certain episodes but for the most uh-huh. part is gone as well. And so it's kind of like you're you're building a this is a uh, a team oriented show if you will, <laughs> but so many of these characters are just going to be floating in and out for I mean, with Dolph, they give him a reason for why his character disappears for episodes on end. But
1: with some well, of these other ones... they do a little bit at the a start. A little bit. <laughs> but then you get to the end of the season, and they literally... I think there's one... He, he, he completely disappears for the last three episodes. And there's, like, one throw from what I recollect uh, from my recent viewing. I think they only mention once, oh, he's just sticky because he'd gone to South Africa at this point um, in the story he was obviously was already there, but he'd probably gone some actually somewhere else. But um, he, he said, Oh yeah, he's just meeting up with some friends. And I think that's the last time they reference him. And he doesn't even, he's not even there for the season finale. <laughs> he's literally on the credits. He's on the starting start of every single episode. And in, and in, in many of the episodes, I'd say probably fifth, uh, it says on IMDb that he's in 15 episodes. And I think if that's probably been generous, if he, in, in a large number of the episodes, I'd say his only appearance in the show is in the recap or a flashback or, um, you know, or, or literally just the opening credits itself. He's not there at all. And, uh, and yeah, at least they did make kind of make an effort, but it's like, you know, you watch those first couple of episodes and he, and he, it's like, he can't get out of there quick enough.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. No, you can tell that he is very disinterested in this and yeah, the way he just, gets out of the show so quick and it just kind of cracks me up to remind the viewer for the episodes where Dolph is absent to remind the viewer where he is at at the beginning of each episode they do the episode recap and they mm-hmm. say you know previously unsafe and they show the same scene where Dolph is saying hey I'm going off to rehab I'll be back soon <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> and then he just kind of magically turns up in episode <laughs> and it's like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. I'm suddenly back. I'm back. I'm you know. Back. As I do. <laughs> and then, then he has a couple of scenes
0: the end. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's
1: or, he, or he's there, but then he's like, has a couple of scenes and some of them are just really random. It's like, there's no, there's not really a lot of connective tissue. It's like the last scene that he shot or the, sorry, not last scene. He shot the last scene that you, you see him in is him having a conversation with the mother of um, his, uh, uh, the mother of his uh, dearly departed. Uh, and you feel like you're going to see him again um, after that, but no, that's it. That they, you, they just, they, you, you're spending all your time with these other characters. And as I say, it's a distraction because, however familiar we've become with with these other characters, and I did, I did warm to them. I did enjoy, you know, their characters and spending time with them. The Dolph factor is always a distraction. You're always thinking. When, when are we going to sit Where is he now, or, or whatever? Which is always a problem, like with these Nicolas Cage movies and stuff, where he doesn't appear, and you're just like, "Where are they? Where are they?" And um, but I think you know, getting back to the to the cast, I think they they there's there's an issue there with because Dolph wasn't around so much. I think the rest of the I think the rest of the cast bonded, developed a camaraderie and and stuff, and uh, you know a, a a rhythm of working together. And I don't, and because Dolph wasn't around so much, he's he's like a he's he's he doesn't fit. So when he's there, it actually doesn't work very well, and you're actually more comfortable with uh, Alfon, you know, uh, JL Martinez is Alfonso, and Texas as Texas, and and <laughs> Gra- Graciela Vega, uh, and, and very and you know, and the various other members of the of the cast who become the primary focus, um, and. That, and Kate, Katie, me and as well, um, the they just, they, they carry the show. They have to carry it because he's not around. And, and I think they, with the limited amount of material they've got, and and I'll say it right now, a lot of this show is filler. It's just oh. padding it out. It's just, oh you know, boy. killing time. It's jumping in that hamster wheel. You know, it's like they've got no money to do any escape, you know, big rescues and stuff. I mean, they, they do a couple. I mean, there are rescues, obviously, in the show, uh, as we we'll probably get to a couple of them, but there's there, there's one that really highlights the the lack of the budget, which is um, uh, uh, sort of I can't remember whether it's about 15 episodes in or something. They have a helicopter crash, but with, with three of the main cast, and they've got no money to show the helicopter from exteriors, the trouble that it's in, and having it crash and whatever. It's all shot in you know inside and whatever, and then they cra- and then they're in the water, and so basically you're looking in close up at, at uh, the three characters floating around in the, in, in the water in close up. there's, there's nothing, there's no budget there. There's nothing to work with. They cut away every now and again to, uh, to Dolph and, and the team in the sort of the command center, because there's a storm going on. They've got to, you know, mount the rescue operation, but that, that episode has no budget. There's, there's no budget to show the incident or anything. Uh, and the characters are just kind of talking to each other and, you know, uh, you know, trying to, And the excuse is, you know, that we've got to keep you awake or whatever. We can't let you go. So, you know, tell me about, you know, how you became a a helicopter pilot and and things like that. Uh, You know, it's all just it's filler. It's not character development. There is there is an element of character development in in the show, but it's very surface level. And so it never really gets um, particularly, you know, they're, they're going for a little. All these characters have dramas and traumas and that that they've got to get through. Um, you know, and, and Dolph Lundgren's character, uh, when he's introduced, they immediately say, "Oh, he's got this problem with painkillers," and uh, and oh, I, yeah, I've got to go off and get treatment. And I believe he goes to Colorado, funnily enough, I think, to get treatment. Right, and yep. uh, and uh, then you know, there are various other characters they introduce their you know troubles, but the the most you know the the main one uh, being uh, Alfonso Rivera's character, who is uh burned in the first episode, played by a different actor. They do kind of a night rider thing, funnily enough, where a different actor plays the Alfonso character. Then he gets burned, and then he gets the bandages get taken off in like episode three, and it's um, Gial Martinez playing him for for the duration, or, or is it episode two? I can't remember. But the um, uh, the so there's a not there's an emphasis on the drama, but a lot of it is kind of soap opera kind of level. There's it's it, it, it's. Uh, it's not very deep. And again, that's a problem I think with the show that they didn't, they, they try to handle, I mean, they try to handle some fairly serious issues. Like um Lydia Hull's character has PTSD and she's got, you know, she, she's starting to get these flashbacks of when she was a child and um, uh, she was in like a vulnerable uh, situation. It, it seemed like it was a child abuse situation, but it actually, it's not that they, they kind of, they they make that clear eventually, but you know, the, they um they 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 do that and uh, it's you know it's a little bit of a romance here and whatever and you know it's it just kind of meanders along you know the, we're just wasting time filling time and and my last thought on this particular moment is the main filler is our, our old favourite from uh, you know um, from many films uh, you know like Sylvester Sloan's Rocky Four it's the montage
0: yeah yeah well I mean you you said a lot there that um i I, I want to go back to um, first of all, before we talk about the filler, I just want to stress and reiterate just how and and I and it kills me saying this rich it does but how bad Dolph comes off looking in this. I mean, you can tell in these scenes, he is clearly not happy with this production at all. And I mean, let's, let's face it, who can blame him because he was promised something, you know, from the get go in terms of, in terms of budget and what he was going to be getting and what, we ended up getting was a huge difference. And sadly, I mean, going back through his filmography and I've echoed this on previous episodes, but yeah, this is, this is essentially a recurring motif in Dolph's career. I mean, he's had Mm -hmm. so many different projects where he signs on uh, Mm -hmm. for a project with certain promises and certain stipulations in place. And suddenly Mm -hmm. as you know, things start getting rolling what we get is, uh, not exactly what, uh, what he was promised, obviously. And that's, that's really, really a shame with this. But yeah, he's clearly not happy. And again, who can blame him? The acting, I don't think is very strong from anybody else in, in the, uh, in the cast. But yeah, let's, let's talk about the filler because that to me was just absolutely obnoxious and bonkers every single episode we can just say real quick the show is edited pretty poorly but every single episode there is a montage sequence that is essentially just a music video in a sense it where is they are music
1: videos yeah
0: yeah they're they're just music videos we get uh, even even the first episode can we just say this is what really really uh when when i first saw this in back in 2013 it I was like, what am I watching here? And then when I watched it again, it bothered me even more. But, okay, if you look at the very first episode, okay, we have this agonizingly long title sequence, okay? And then 10 minutes into the episode, we get a suiting-up montage where they play the exact same song once again and then what follows in every single episode is yeah we get a music video of some kind and there's even one that um that really just comes off as weird but there's this one uh music video uh, i can't even tell you which which episode it was in where two of the team members are rinsing themselves off together <laughs> on they're they're right there they're on the beach but they're in this shower together they're up, they're both wearing their swimsuits but they're rinsing each other off with soap and everything and it's intended to be sexy but for a saturday afternoon program which is syndicated yep. it just comes off as odd and there's this jarring moment where it's like what are we watching here what is yeah, this
1: it's it's basically a sexless sex scene I've gone for it. It's like really gratuitous. It's neat. I think it's like two minutes long. It's you can watch the music video on, uh, cause uh, on the safe YouTube channel, they released a lot of these montages. Of course they did. And they've got the, <laughs> and they've got the names of them. And this one was called like so- soapy something or other, you know, they gave it this sort of cheesy name. And uh, yeah, the the thing is I have <laughs> some of these songs, which I, uh, I believe were all commissioned for the show. Um, the you know, like that, that song in that scene, uh, which recurs, like, I think, two more times throughout the series, really gets in my, got in my head. And it's one of the, 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 the suiting up song, actually, I think the, the, it's actually a different song to the opening theme. But, uh, that again, I, I, I quite like that one. I didn't mind, there's two or three songs, I actually don't mind, I don't mind them too much, even though, and like the theme, I mean, the theme, God, I've heard that a million times now um But I do like it. I think the white light is—it's—it's um, a, it's a good. I mean, I skipped it most recently quite a lot, but when it's on, I mean, it's in my head. I do—I think it's—it's it's got a good rhythm to it, and I do—I think the opening titles are, are put together quite well. But yeah, when you're—you're—you know, you're a couple of scenes in or whatever, and a montage kicks in like straight away and lasts for like two minutes, and it's like, well, hang on, and then it becomes yeah. soon that apparent that this is the—the the formula of the show is that we're going to have. Uh, we're going to spend a, a couple of minutes on a recap. Then we're going to have the opening scenes or s- scene or scenes pre-titles, which can last up to, you know, five minutes or so sometimes in an episode. Then they do that. Then, then, you know, it's, it's filler. You know, there might be an, a, an incident to deal with a bit more f- filler, another montage. Um, and then, you know, flashbacks and oh, and between in the bits where the ad breaks would be, they do kind of these flash forwards, don't they? Where they show like little grainy bits of what you're what's gonna come up later. Like and they put these <laughs> gzz, 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 sort of sounds accompanying each bit. So you're like, oh, drama, drama, you've got to come back after the commercial break kind of thing.
0: Well, you I mean, okay, if you look at, say, a montage sequence, I think the the gold standard that a lot of people like to like to refer to is Rocky Four, okay? Hmm. But I think with that particular montage. Okay, and I think with all montage sequences, okay, if you look at any film, why why is a film using a montage? What it does is it's telling a story, but it's doing it in an efficient, light manner. You also get a song there as well that's that's fairly catchy. Okay, um, one of my favorite montages, I'm just gonna say it, is in Big Daddy, okay, Uh, with with Adam Sandler, because you get this scene where Adam Sandler is learning how to be a dad. And we get some, you know, typical hijinks. And then you get a song. I think it was uh, by Garbage at the time. And it's uh, it's a fairly decent scene. The problem with these montages is they're not telling a story. Okay? They are, as we stated, just simply music videos that are sandwiched in between what is going on. And it's the equivalent. I was actually thinking maybe we should do it for this conversation here. Is I'm just going to stop the conversation and I'm going to replay... White light in the middle of our convo (laughs) for no reason. (laughs) So, I mean... It's it's not necessary for us to uh, to go through all twenty episodes because that would just oh be go on I'd love to no. know that. <laughs> so just I one guess... note
1: just one note on the musical thing is that okay. I did this weird thing in episode eighteen at the end the show literally turns into a musical because uh, um uh, uh Gareth, Gareth oh God I've forgotten her name now um Graciela Vegas uh Graciela Vega she starts singing. A song by the campfire, and it's literally you know there is no way that is her that is a, a you know singing a song by the campfire that is a music video, it like literally turns into it and it, and she's supposed to be doing it like as part of the story it's very odd it feels like it's 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 mutated into 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 something else it's very strange but all the other music in the show is yeah it's just kind of cutaways to a montage of showering or you know training to for a you know, for for swimming or, or, you know, doing their doing their exercises or, or cooking or, or or whatever it is, literally anything you can think of. They probably do a montage for it because there's there's I think there's one, perhaps two in each episode,
0: because that's what that's what I want to see in a uh, in, in a television show about real life heroes. I want to see a dance sequence while they are cooking. Because I remember that scene as well. It's, it's just, it's oh my goodness, it's it's so bonkers and weird. You know, so if we... uh,
1: sorry, if I just, I just want to Go mention ahead. when uh, I found something interesting, which was so going back to Do- Dolph Langren's character is called Ericsson, which right. is a which is a Swedish name, which is good. So it's sort of you know it's, it, he's not supposed to be purely American. They are nodding, you know, to the fact that he is Swedish. Originally, the character was called Captain John Matthews. So whether that was a cha- that that was a change that was made when Dolph came on board, or whether he wanted the name changed to, to you know to, to highlight you know add that little bit of a Swedish flavour, I'm not sure. But uh, I thought that was quite interesting. And yeah, the um, I just uh, the what was it the, the other thing? Yeah, so, so he's also pl- his character has the bio, which I think you were talking about earlier. So he was supposed to be fifty but I think he was about 56, 55, 56 when he, when he made this, not a huge, not a huge difference or whatever, but yeah, probably still not quite right. And um he should be retired.
0: And that's yeah, the yeah, thing, is, is the show, the and, yeah, he's yeah. he's taken over for Dunnigan. Dunnigan, dies, yeah. We we haven't said, but if you get tired of hearing the name Dunnigan after the first episode, don't <laughs> worry, it's going to be coming back in the second and third episode.
1: so the yeah, leader take a drink of, every time you hear Dunnigan.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Dunnigan is the leader of SAFE initially, but he dies in a forest fire in the first episode. Spoiler. So, Dolph's character has to take over as the leader of SAFE, and this really this really gets to Dolph as we as we see because you know Dunnigan was his mentor and everything, but it's kind of like, dude, you're Dolph, you yourself are ostensibly eligible for retirement you're, and you're and you're leading this group of uh, of, of dopey twenty something year olds, and and that's the other thing too is half of these episodes Dolph is just sitting back and kind of just you know. Rolling his eyes at the various, you know, love subplots that we see among these twenty-something-year-olds, and mean, the
1: sitcom banter that they have—it's it, <laughs> all, yeah. all this like sitcom banter. Oh, he does dance with them, though.
0: <laughs> oh boy, yeah. the The end of the first episode, they turn on a mu—they—they uh, they turn on a song. They all start dancing, and we get to see some of. Uh, some of Dolph's dance moves. And it's one of those scenes where, again, when I mentioned secondhand embarrassment, if you look closely, you can see in Dolph's eyes where he's thinking to himself, even he knows that this is crap. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's like, what am I doing? I don't want to do this. <laughs> They're so, like, dance, Dolph, dance. Yeah, d- and then, yeah, And he's like, oh, God, all right. I'm- yeah, he's, thinking, he's not into it at all. <laughs>
0: I have Expendables 3 coming up. Thank God that's going to get me away from this. So, (laughs) okay. So I I don't know. I don't know how you want to do this. Cause like I said, I, I, Richard, I can't do all 20 episodes. To to be honest, I don't have another, I don't have another cider on hand to help me with that. So I I guess, okay. Any particular moments of any of these 20 episodes that, uh, that stand out to you for whatever reason, for better, for worse. Uh, what would you like to
1: say? No, to, uh, to be honest, uh, you know, I, I think I've probably made all the all the key points uh, that I want to make in terms of like the budget and saying how you know they they do these. Uh, there's like the helicopter one where they just clearly didn't have have the budget or anything. There's really, yeah, it's it's very it's a show without much substance, and it does end with a with a whimper rather than a bang. You know, it's like. You would expect a series to build up to a big season finale, a big sort of, a big dramatic uh, climax, where you know you would expect, oh, they, they're all going to have to get back, in, you know, they're all back on top form, they've overcome their demons. Uh, here comes a big emergency that they're going to have to go and go and deal with, and uh, it never happens. Uh, you know, there's no uh, cl- cut cliffhanger really for for the next season or anything like that. It just kind of, it just kind of. Drifts, drifts on. I mean the final episode as I say, Dolph, there's no sign of him, no mention of him and all the characters are kind of there's like little bits of romance and stuff happening with them but uh, it's it's just a whole, it's a whole show of filler and it's nothing to get anybody excited about, oh, what's going to happen next season? You know, it's like there's no they, I think they knew I think the writing was well on the wall by then that they probably knew actually this this is this isn't going to go anywhere let's not invest too much money in this let's do the 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 show really has its climax early in episode uh, uh was it 16 i think it was um no 7 uh, 17 i think um where dolph is in south africa and there's a fire and there's some children need rescuing and stuff and that happens early in the episode and that's kind of as as dramatic as as it gets, you know, you don't really get any big drama, which when you're, when you're pitching your show as being a, an ensemble rescue drama about these three key, you know, uh, key, you know, emergency services. And then just, they've just basically got nothing to do. <laughs> it, it's, uh, it's just, um, it's laughable really, but yeah, it's the, it's the, it's the long run factor. I think if, if Dolph wasn't, if they'd given him a proper exit and, uh, we would have, you know, we weren't constantly thinking, where is he? You know, we could have just focused on the characters who I did start to enjoy spending the time with and say, JL Martinez does, there's some quite nice stuff with his character and the demons that he's, he's struggling with and overcoming, you know, um, you know, he's a good role model. I mean, uh, this, this is a show that's got um, some good role models in it, I would say. Yeah, Um, Yeah. You know, Charlie is, Charlie's very nice, sweet, you know, very helpful, you know, perfect, um, you know, a tele- television sort of character for, for family viewing, uh, I was a bit, obviously a, bit, a lot of skin at times, but, um, the, um, but, uh, Alfonso, you know, he's a very, you know, very strong character, you know, character. I think he does really well. I mean, as, as a guy who's not got masses of acting experience, I thought it was a great shot for him. And, uh, I'd I'd watch him in something else. I don't know what kind of other roles we he's had since since this or whatever, but I thought he was he did well. It's interesting to he say that he's he's done writing and stuff, uh, so he's he's clearly very accomplished. And obviously we know what Dolph went off to do, um say Expendables and and everything else, but the rest of the cast, yeah, am I that bothered about seeking out, you know, what else they've done not not really no because you know texas battle probably is probably the only one who would so you know if, if i saw him on uh, a poster or you know on on, on the, the the advertising for something, so, oh, things texas battle i kind of know what i was going to get and i would go yeah okay yeah I'm, I'm up for a bit of a bit of texas battles kind of bantering stuff because he's got a lot of charisma and uh but yeah is it, is it i don't know if he went on to do another show or whatever but uh yeah this this it's, I'm waffling on now, but it's, it's, I didn't mind what, I did enjoy watching it. Uh, I wasn't hundred percent focused all the time because you do drift out, but it's, it's, Um. it's an interesting failure at best. I would say it's, it's, and, it, and probably only one for real hardcore Dolph fans to probably check out.
0: Most definitely. Most definitely. I mean, you know, the, the thing that I go back to is I think the concept of, of Dolph playing a, uh, a firefighter. Is, is kind of a cool concept. You know what I mean? Um, but if you look at television circa 2012, 2013, there were some really cool action oriented shows that hmm. I would have loved to see Dolph on. Um, I know I mentioned it to you, uh, last time you and I were chatting, but he, there was a really cool show that aired on, uh, Cinemax for, uh, Four Seasons called Banshee. Okay. Mm-hmm. Banshee was amazing. It would have been really cool to see Dolph on something like that. Uh, Sons of Anarchy, Strike Back. So these are all very, yes. uh,
1: Strike Back very, would have been a good fit, I think.
0: Strike Back would have been cool. I mean, these are all very violent TV shows, but I think they would have, you know, fit within, within Dolph's, uh, wheelhouse, you know, with regard to the budget and everything like that. I mean, you, you were, we were talking about the limitations, but yeah, he's playing a, uh, he's playing a firefighter, but, in a few of the episodes, I don't know if you picked up on these moments, but we're to believe that these characters are being dropped into what are huge forest infernos. But mm. then, when they show the infernos, it's simply stock footage of an inferno that's being shown mm. on a TV screen. And you know what I mean? Like so, so we never really get a uh, a sense of uh, uh, danger. I will say f- to any of the characters.
1: No, exactly. There's, there's just uh, they, th- th- there's um it's just not the resources you know it's just too low budget un- unfortunately we've seen and there are so many tv shows doing this kind of thing that have done it so much better you know we got you know high end uh, rescue series dramas i mean I, I haven't i haven't watched many of them i know there's stuff like 911 uh, i think like rob low does one and stuff they i'm and i'm i'm guessing those are probably you know they probably got you know there's fire firefighter series there's a firelight every week and they're like really good quality this one's like a, a series that focuses like they mainly focus on the firefighting in this because they haven't got the budget to go in the air uh you know sea rescues are, are not not as interesting to film and stuff so uh, you know so they they do a couple of rescues and that but they kind of focus on firefighting to a large extent but then don't have the money to to you know to present these big firefighting Sequences. So they end up being actually not particularly uh, having a, obviously no, no scale uh, and, uh, you know, just not, not as not, not, pati- not as pati- not particularly engaging. So then the emphasis has to be on, are you, you know, safe. drawn in and connected with these characters? You know, the, the, they, I- they're, they're trying to focus it on. It doesn't work.
0: I thought for a minute you were going to say the emphasis draws on, are you safe?
1: Are you safe? Anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, and the sound quality is poor in a few scenes as well. It's like yeah. they, didn't even rec- they didn't even record the sound properly for some reason.
0: You know what's funny is, yeah, it, I was going to say that as well. In the end, what I think was packaged and delivered to uh, to these markets and to these TV stations was an unfinished product. I think I think that is very clear. I think there's so much about this. Again, the budget went toward branding a- instead of finishing a solid product. Because yeah, the sound is off in various scenes. I mean, like the wind. You know, on various scenes when they're outdoors talking, it's it's just it's really uh, it it really overpowers the sound. And I, I did have to laugh at the scene um, I, again. I can't remember which episode, but it went back and it told uh, it told Dolph's story, uh, John Erickson's story when he was younger. And oh yeah, Dolph, yeah, yeah. D- Dolph comes back to dub yes. those lines, and so it just came off as really weird seeing an actor who is supposed to be a young Dolph Lundgren, but with Dolph Lundgren's 57 year old man. Voice. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, well, you know, look, I, I think we've, we've kind of danced around this. I know that it is not, um, the best thing in the world that we really wanted to see, uh, to see the man of the hour, uh, do, but, uh, but you know, here we are. I'm, I'm curious, Rich, cause I know that you did sit through and watch these episodes, a few of them, a couple of times. So again, thank you for that. But, um, what do you think in the end? Would you give this a recommend, not just as a television show in general, or maybe a as as a Baywatch sequel? I guess that came out maybe twenty years too late, but as a Dolph Lundgren vehicle, where where does it stand for you, sir?
1: Yeah, I don't. I can't. I can't really recommend it as a, a Dolph. I, I think I'd recommend it as inoffensive, you know, innocuous. You know, background. You know, sort of entertainment. You know, something you want to put on. It's it's perfect for like a Saturday afternoon. In funnily enough, the slot that Baywatch used to run in the in in the UK when when they they used to show American sort of prime time shows on a Saturday. They don't do that anymore. The um, it used to, it would it would it would fit. I mean, it's it's fine, you know. And uh, but as as a Dolph thing, no, unfortunately not. I think you know, it's it's for completists only. Uh, and I think if you're a Baywatch, you know, it's probably of more interest to, to the Baywatch crowd. But even then, I think you're, you're, you're looking at a pale imitation, uh, unfortunately of, you know, imagine sort of later season, probably Baywatch. I'll be honest, I'm not massively, uh, familiar with Baywatch. I did, oddly enough, although I was perfect for the target audience, I don't actually remember watching it that much when I was younger. Um, I think I was watching, must have been watching other things, but, uh, the, it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of, Baywatch watch light i would say and it's you know it's, it's high concept but low low budget
0: you know i mean yeah thank you very very much for that you know with regard to my recommend i mean we've we've basically said it in a big roundabout way uh no sadly not i mean even from the offset this entire conceit of a show really just seemed dated and and really lame. I think Dolph attaching himself to it just wasn't a uh, a very wise career move. But I also think in some ways, I think what saved him in the end was his general reputation of making uh, of making bad movies. I mean, I think everybody who who knows Dolph knows that. I, I guess like every actor as well, Dolph has a few uh, has a few films on his resume that simply are not good. And so I think in the end that. May have kind of worked to his advantage and may have saved him. The good thing with this is the fact that it was syndicated, and so I don't think this was seen by by very many people, uh, with the exception of Dolph Lundgren fans. Even now that it's uh, available um, here in the here in the states, it's available on IMDb TV and Tubi TV. And I'd I'd really like to check out the algorithms, but I can't imagine that this particular show is is getting a lot of uh, high numbers. Thankfully, Dolph also had films like Expendables 3 and Skin Trade on the horizon. So I think in the end, this was a blip that went away fairly quickly. I said it already, Dolph has had quite a few films on his CV that followed a similar MO. So this was really not that much different. It really is a shame, though, like I said earlier, that in the wake of his Expendables comeback, he chose this particular project. What's also a shame is that of all the television series, okay, you mentioned, we mentioned Strike Back, but yeah, out of all of the television series that he could have been offered, this was the one. That came his way and this is also the one that uh that 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 he signed on the dotted line for I, i'd like to say in the end richard that this was a huge missed opportunity all around but with such a bizarre and goofy concept i don't really think there was really uh, much of an opportunity that even existed with one, this in the first place so no.
1: yeah i think when when steven seagal did true justice that, they, that was something that, I mean, obviously, I mean, it lasted two seasons and it ultimately got cancelled, but or that was a similar kind of thing. That was, I think that was a syndicated show. It was made to be, you know, um, made independently. And they came out with this, okay, we're going to make this uh, show. It's going to be you doing your usual thing, but you're going to be with a bunch of younger cast. You're not going to have to be on screen that much. And what we'll do is we're going to package it as uh Movies as well, so we're going to sell it to TV, and we're also going to sell it on DVD, which uh, is the I think that series is the only series I know that's done that. I can't think of any other series where they conceived it as something to be on television and awkwardly structured two episode films. Um, so he sort of maximised the the power. I mean, with this one, it's they similar, did do that you know. with this
0: one though. They yeah, did here, well, they did yeah. it on
1: two. They did two, didn't they? Did did two. Two film uh, edits. Yeah, they uh, took saf, they took saf, all the safe episodes. And safe two.
0: Yeah, you are gonna say saf again, man, weren't you? Yeah, yeah no, <laughs> saf three.
1: Saf 3. Yeah, man.
0: they did the, the, the same. S- I should have I should have gotten the name of the DVD production company, but yeah, they did take the show and they split it into two movies. The first one is called Safe, obviously, and the second one is called Safe Two. Interestingly, I saw one of these at uh, at my local Dollar Tree, and I saw it and I thought about it and. Eh, even for a dollar,
1: I said no. <laughs> I'm presuming what they did was they took two episodes in each case and put them together. But I don't know which episode. I mean, the first one would have been, I guess, the first episode. But um, the second one, which was called Safe Two Under Pressure, uh, it, it doesn't really. I mean, the description of the on the the listing on Mill Creek Entertainment doesn't uh, give away which which episodes it was. But I'd be intrigued to know. I mean, it's funny because it says Safe. Two, but it's got safe, obviously, with the three. So it's like it's Staff safe 32.
0: with the three, two. thirty two,
1: yeah, saf thirty two, which looks a bit funny. Um, but uh, it does look like a proper film. But you know, I'm sure it's. I, I'd be interested to know if they like changed the credit. Oh, ITN, I think released it. ITN. Um, it'd be interesting to know if they changed the credits or did anything to, you know, to make it less of a tv movie basically as uh, but yeah. uh, unfortunately we never got those releases over here and they're quite i think they're quite hard to apart from obviously you saw one in dollar tree i think they're quite hard to to come across uh it was well, certainly internationally and um, oh. because they bummer for you
0: guys man bummer for oh, you man. guys yeah.
1: man <laughs> so- i love those in my collection
0: <laughs> um well richard i had a great time uh, thank you so so much for uh for Man, you really jumped the grenade for this one for me, man. So I really do appreciate it. Um, before, before I let you go, uh, is there anything that you want to give a shout out to or anything that you uh, want to mention? Anything that you've watched recently? What, what is going on? I know we mentioned <clears throat> earlier, but uh, yeah, the, the DTV Digest, you're still going uh, strong with that
1: yes uh, we're about 100 and we've done over 180 episodes i think by by the time you're listening to this uh, uh your audience i mean uh the uh, and you've kindly uh, come on the show a couple of times and we've we've talked a, a few things and uh, that's great uh, that's always brilliant and uh, yeah if anybody wants to look us up it's uh, the dtv digest uh you can find us on uh, audible or um I think uh was it Podbean and the uh we you can follow us on Twitter and find us on Facebook also under the DTVI digest uh one of my particular passions is short films and we uh, each episode we uh, focus on what we call the short shot which is usually a a a genre film uh, 40 minutes or under uh, and uh we as a companion to that we post we have a twitter feed twitter page uh, called DTV Short Shots, where we post a, a a short film recommendation every single day. So we we're we're well over two hundred and fifty at the moment. You know, there's there's action, martial arts, and science fiction and horror is, is the emphasis there. There's a little bit of dramas and stuff, but you know, mainly mainly genre stuff because I think there's there's so many great great little film, whether it's like a proof of concept or like a a fully a fully formed kind of short film. Uh, there's some really great stuff out there uh, that deserves to to be seen so don't always just look for the features uh, m- you know maybe one day you know if you say instead of watching a 90 minute film I'm going to spend 90 minutes watching a collection of short films and I think you'd be pleasantly surprised by some of the things you find and uh, say there's a there's a collection of recommendations are right there on on the on the twitter page dtv short shots
0: Excellent. Excellent. And I still have you uh, uh, penciled in. I mean, you, you, you're, you're awesome, man. You, you've uh, been very gracious with uh, pretty much anything. But uh, I still have you uh, locked down for uh, Legendary. Absolutely. We that, right? oh, yeah. okay.
1: Looking forward to that.
0: Great. All right. Well, hey, Richard, thank you very, very much. I do appreciate it. Uh, to everyone out there who is listening, please feel free to rate and review the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever else you go to subscribe. We always appreciate the reviews, and we'll see you all next time on I Must Break This Podcast.